0: Section 9 of Wheels, the Sixth Cycle. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Parade Virtues for a Dying Gladiator by Sir Cheverell Sitwell For safety, hear this, common mortals. March with the others, swing your arms. Don't step too fast, don't reach so far. Laggards are devoured by wolves. If you but reach the enemy first, An eagle from the iron air will soar steep down and peck your eyes. Be the first to steal down fire, and you shall lie on the aching rock, a threatening wing, your roof and shade. The scaffold stands and totters in the wind, a cage for the light, a platform through the clouds. Remark, a scaffold and a scaffolding, a terrace for death and bars for young birds. At the top he stoops to work. The shadows give him longer limbs. He strides on stilts to tie the ropes. Only string can hold the floors and keep the telescopic roofs apart. A little rubbing of dry hands, snatches of sawdust on the floor. Then he nods for the fanfare, like a god. A screech of trumpets, before we guess, before we know what he stands there for, the planks split up, they bend like rushes, the frightened birds fly off, he tumbles, falls through the brittle lights that snap and give like waves when a meteor falls. They flood the arena, cover the sands, the beaked warboats raise their sails, like birds they tack in the wind. The second philosopher appeared, proudly holding a ladder. Wait. He was saying, "Till we're near enough, then watch me making for another world.' He did not climb. He lined the deck. The sailors helped him, charged with their ram. The other ship was staggered, helpless. They lay alongside. Near enough. Over with the ladder, he climbed along. His little weight decided things. The two boats went apart. The hooks, the claws of his ladder were wrenched out. He lay like a man between wild horses. One arm came off, and then a leg. They picked him into a boat, rowed off, drained out the water, and when the sand was dry, there he lay, close to the other, the two philosophers together again. The third put up a horn to his mouth. I deny, he roared, a better world, but I hope a stranger, not a nicer heaven. Also your fault, and not my choice. And then he disappointed the crowd, fell, like a log, without one struggle, killed by poison, drunk in secret. As my turn, the fourth man shouted, I'll walk on stilts through the drying water, collect the bodies, carry them out, and give them to the crowd for burial. Then he began tremendous tests beat one stilt with an axe to break it, looked through the eye-holes of his visor, bared an arm to feel his sword. Then, on one leg, his whole weight leaning, he strapped his other leg to the stilt, knocking it onto a wall to test it. Both legs finished, he cannot stand. He has to stamp and stagger around, a tireless peripatetic. They hand him helmet, sword and trident, and last of all, the trumpet that he hollows down. Now he is ready to start, steel-clad, and shod with hoofs of sounding wood. He grips the trumpet with his teeth, bears the trident, holds the net. The first he comes to still is breathing. He lances him with the trident, lifts him, opens the net for the crumpled body. The second man, legless, armless, lies there helpless. Little is left for the wide-tongued trident. The man who drank the poison died, but still the venom lives within him. He is spiked with the same three lances, and the same points, transfixing both, killed the other who was breathing, but being limbless could not move. The weight of the two together stifled, strained, and made this gladiator gasp. To right himself he must stand still. He stumbled, drew to his height, and fell. Next we saw one stilt come out and wave above the shallow water. He disengaged it, dropped it off. The other leg was doubled up, but he could sit knee-deep in water and use the floating stilt as a crutch. His trident stuck up out of the sand. The visor and the trumpet still were his. Helmet for head and tube for voice enough material for martial music. The drums were rattling for his death, but there he sat and did not die. He had the only pair of stilts, and whilst the water ebbed from him, leaving this monster on the sand, he can string out platitudes and make a dying actor's speech. How do we differ from dull soldiers? These were the words he started with. Where is the gulf for us to jump Where are the stairs for me to climb, so that I ride a horse, a cloud, and rule the azure fields of air? Why do I want these? Is it vain to try and open gates of glass? They are transparent. Is it vanity that I wish for men to see me, ride beneath these gates, and glitter, shine the other side from them? Now they stand, where then I stood." They see me where I nothing saw. But when I came up behind the glass, the lights to show me, dazzled me. Now I grope through a golden fog, I stumble on the beams of stones, I never see the road I walked. Lamps blind me, blatant shouting deafens me. The more I stumble, more they cheer. I suggest these virtues to all dying gladiators. Never bury your rivals' bodies. Let their corpses taint the air. Do not put them in caves for the relic hunters, but leave them to the vultures. They will quicken the decay. This virtue I learnt first today. Your enemies must feel both edges of the sword. They shall be laggards for all hungry wolves. And pray for the vultures if they die too soon. This is why I build my house using tombstones from damp fields. That is why I said today, I'd gather the bodies and give them to you, letting you dig and hide them yourselves, and keep you busy, fill your minds, so that while I stand in the glare, you watch me not, but grope with your hands, running the sand through greedy fingers. Now I have light more prying than the sun, No audience so nervous as the fainting stars who gently withdraw, but watch behind the dark. None are there, spying. So, you see, I have gathered my rivals, given them over to you, occupied your attention. Now there is full light for me, and no rivalry. Alone I can work my wonders, alone in my own hours of day. But then he worked his own greatest wonder, His head dropped, knees sank, and he rolled into the water. That is a virtue, but not a parade one. Soldiers should run away to live another day. Good as far as he went. Good to gather and expose the corpses. But weak of him to die, knee-deep in water. I should admire him more, sitting on his box. Or washed ashore on a querulous hen-coop. This much I like. That he walked on stilts, that the role he chose never let him stop, that he could not stand but must stamp ahead. It seemed to me, if my turn should come, that I would not rake the sand, scour out, and clear the threshold of the statue dust, any more than build with the dead, mute, stone, that I would not snap the fallen swords, or sharpen their points to help me, neither slay the old, Or build the new religion, neither beg the streets, or live on an altar. Parade these virtues, dying gladiators, beware of the final, finishing cope stone. Hang many masks from your belt, but the last one awkwardly stops your disguise, until you break the string, to take the bead, and tumble the walls of your paradise. If you cage your growing trees, No birds will float through them and sing. If there are walls, you cannot watch the fields that slope down till they hold the deep sea. Between yourself and the waves, there lie all that divides and walls you in. A paradise is dangerous to hunt through for the rare tigers among the tropical trees. If you had never attempted this, you had never been lying wounded now. An icy wind interrupted this flow, A fall of stage snow fluttered from the roof. We were aghast to see the gladiator rolling the snow in his trembling hands. Not to soothe him, for the next scene was a fight on sledges. But the gladiator finished several handfuls, and then he threw them into the audience. It was a very irritating dust. It broke into clouds till everybody sneezed. So I took my hat and coat and went, letting them sneeze. And seeing them weep, and I turned this thought in my mind. Surely the gladiator threw this snow, wanting their tears, for two good reasons. First, said he, I'll have them cry, their tears shall flow for my timely death. Secondly, their tears shall hide and veil, until with smarting they cannot see, and then they'll miss my proud successor. Naples, 17th of the 11th, 1920 End of section